Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. If you're given a choice between money and sex appeal, take the money. As you get older, the money will become your sex appeal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that time yet for me. I still got the beard. <laughs> That's right. You still have the sex appeal, Thomas. <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my friend Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? I know it's past 11, so your self-imposed oh, so limit I'm, has been passed. I'm totally drinking, and... Uh, I'm, dr- I'm actually drinking. It's it's technically a dessert beer. It's Chocolat, C H O K L A T, from Southern Tier. It's a stout brewed with chocolate, ten percent ABV. It's it's like it smells like chocolate. It just tastes. It's so good, dude. That sounds pretty tasty. So I correct me if I'm wrong, but ha- have we ever had wine on this podcast? Um, maybe, probably not in a, in a while. Have. All right, I, yeah. I am setting a precedent here. I'm going to be all fancy. I've got red wine. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the long stem, you are fancy. I am very fancy. Except for, you know what I do? Okay, so like holding the glass like this with my fingers around the stem, mm-hmm. it works kind of, but I'll often just do this. I'll just hold the glass. And then Anna's like, you're not supposed to do that. You're getting fingerprints in the glass. <laughs> like, but it's easier to drink that way. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. Can, so I'm just, can you just hold it up and swirl it for me real quick? Yes, I can. I can. There. Give you a little uh, swirl. So sophisticated. This is a $9 cab, so mm. it's not that sophisticated. But I am purposely not, not trying more expensive wines. Mm. It's like that purposeful avoidance of lifestyle inflation. We get we get this re- uh, bottle of Rex Goliath. It's twelve ninety nine, and it's like one point eight bottles of wine in one like, huge bottle. <laughs> and, and then we just proceed to kill it in like a night. So, so it's probably a good thing that you guys don't buy expensive wine. Oh yeah. Well, I know Anna's uncle is like a huge wine snob. So uh, for Thanksgiving, I'm probably going to be exposed to very expensive wine, and then and then I'll just come back and just. Cheap trash must be thrown out the window. <laughs> I do not waste my time with anything under $40. <laughs> anyway, today we are talking with our good friend Eric again. Eric was on the show to talk about bonds earlier this year. And uh, that was a great episode. Started out pretty complex, but I think we, we got pretty the- comprehensive once we got to the meat of it. Yeah. And we are going to go right back into some more fundamental money concepts. Today we're talking about inflation. Now, I know a little bit about inflation. I know about inflation in my ego, but uh, <laughs> not as much about the money concept. So, Eric, school us on inflation. What exactly is it? How does it matter? All right, guys. Uh, thanks again for having me. Uh, so, essentially, I, you know, Andrew, me and Andrew spoke, and we thought another top. You know, I'm a big fan of economics. I, my undergrads in economics, um, although I hated it while I was in school, I kind of like it now. Which is weird in a way, but uh, whatever. That's not that so, weird. So, really, when you, I think in the past, what have you guys talked about? I think opportunity cost was one. You, we we you, brushed on it lightly, and I mean, I, I think uh, we've covered as much that inflation means like the value of your. But dollar. what other what other economic concepts have you guys gone over? Did oh, you? I mean, some of the other episodes. I know we've opportunity done, like, cost and. Um, that's a good question. We have a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good, but I know there's like a, you guys have had a couple episodes where they're just based on economic concepts, which is important because, you know, even though they're more theoretical in nature, they're all usually applied to your daily life. 
And most of economics is broken down to two major areas. You usually say microeconomics and macroeconomics. Mm. So macroeconomics is more of a study of the entire economy as a whole, which kind of is, which is what inflation is really under. Mm. And inflation is probably the most, I would say, definable topic that most of us see on a daily basis. Because really what it is, is it's the purchasing power of your money. Uh, Really, inflation is the general increase in the prices of goods and services over a specified time period. So, and so for, for you, that means, you know, my dollar is worth so much today. Tomorrow, it's worth a different amount. You know, five years from now, what, it's, what is it going to worth? What so, can I get with that? Eric, mm-hmm. do, does that mean like when the price of milk goes up? That's inflation. Essentially, yes. Uh, you know what you'll do. What what one of the big one of the biggest measures of inflation is the consumer price index that they call CPI. Okay, it's one of the what that is is it it is this index that has a basket of goods. Let's say it's predefined of like I think it's around like. 50 to 100,000 different items. It's in this pre think about like going to the supermarket and you pick all these items up. Mm. And those are the items that you're going to keep consistent and measure throughout, you know, uh, a so, so like I, buy, I buy them all in March, it's $100. I buy them all in December, it's $112. Exactly. And that yeah. would be okay. calculating essentially, that's going to calculate the inflation rate. Uh, and what we've seen is, you know, over last, you know, the, the big issue in our economy right now is that inflation is below the target level that the Federal Reserve, will, you know, uh, has a set target for. And we'll go into that a little bit uh, more detail later. But the CPI measures this this risk rate of this rate of this price change, whatever it might be. Now, it could mm-hmm. be going up. It could be going down. I mean, in most cases, we actually do want the inflation rate to go up. So we just don't want it to go up a crazy amount. That, that's like um, okay. I think that's like the confusing part because, I, you know, it's fine. Milk prices go up. So whatever. That's annoying. I have to pay more for milk. But I would love it if milk went from five dollars to one dollar because then I could buy yeah. like five times as much milk. It, why yeah. why do we want thing? it to go up? Well, I, I guess it depends on what causes inflation. All right, so th- there's there's two ma- I mean, there's a lot of different theories. But one of the two major ones they call is demand pull inflation and cost push inflation. Mm-hmm. So demand pull inflation is what most people would think is the better type of inflation. And what that is, it's usually happening during periods of growth and increased income Consumer demand for products is increased. Think of it like during, believe it or not, like wartime is actually a great time where you, you see economic growth during wartime mm. because who's one of the biggest purchasers of things in the country? The government. Yeah, the government. government, right? So guess what? The government buys things not just, you know, they buy things from the private sector. Uh, you know, Boeing makes planes, whatever. You know, there, there's a million different manufacturers that are contractors with the government. So that increase in demand Right, that drives the economy. So think about it. So it like outstrips the ability to produce the item. I guess is the yeah, and yeah. Think well, th- it, because then what ends up happening is I work for a company that you know has their. Let's just say it's a war. I work for this company that makes stuff for the government. Well, guess what? We're getting these huge contracts by the government. Most likely, my time they're going to have to hire more people for my company. Mm. Overall income is increasing. That's the most important thing here. People's income is usually increasing during that time of during inflation. inflationary period. Exactly. So right. I get more spending power. So I'm going to buy more, 
now everyone's got more money. We're all going to want to buy more. So I couldn't buy a car before, but now I can buy a car. You can buy a car before. So now there's more of a demand for that car. So that car, okay. essentially, the price of that car is going to have to go up because of that increased demand. So Okay. I've heard this called, what is it called? Like demand pull inflation? Yeah, demand pull like inflation. You'll too see. many dollars chasing too few goods, so the goods exactly. have to cost more. And then, and then it essentially goes on the other side of it, which is, cost push inflation which mm. which drives the other way where like they use this usually the common example is that right there's a drought uh and uh in that case when what's happening is something happens where you know we don't have as much food products or whatever you know there's only there's now there's only so much of it available that's also going to drive it up now that's not as a good of a reason for price increases because that's mm. not that's not causing an increase in the overall growth of the economy Right. It's just like the company says, well, we still need to have profit, but we have less to sell. So what we do have to sell, we have to push up in price to make Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, you know, in this case, supply is being constrained at that. So that's like a bad case. reason for, de- for inflation. Whereas exactly. Yeah. would be like a good reason. Yeah. Demand pull, demand pull is economic expansion. We want okay. that. And, and I guess that kind of goes into uh, you know, what we're trying to do right now, I mean, if everyone looks at, you know, everyone in their in the economy right now, the big talk is, you know, the economy is just not growing like it should. Right? Mm. That's the big talk. You, you know, that's the reason right now that the Federal Reserve is holding back from increasing their federal funds target rate, which is one of the one of the signs they're holding back on because they don't see the growth. And most importantly, they don't see the inflation. That it's necessary, you know. One, I guess you could jump right into it because it, so, it really does well, makes it. Okay, so hold up one second because so I understand like why you know when prices are going up and wages are going up and that's like you know it kind of grows the economy and it's good, but couldn't you have deflation if like you know computers cost a thousand dollars and then there's massive technological advances and then they cost like three hundred dollars? Isn't that like good well, but remember, then deflationary? Well, mm. so remember, deflate. When we're looking at this, we're never just looking at one item. Oh, true. Okay, right. So okay. don't don't go, yeah. You you don't want to get too held up on just one item. I mean, believe it or not, one of the, one of the one of the most con- one interesting uh, item that they use a lot of times to measure actually price changes even within different countries is the Big Mac. They call it the Big Mac Index. Really? So yeah, you could actually look it up. I remember. I remember in school it being a thing where you could compare pricing between countries because essentially Big Macs are everywhere, and yeah. it's a consistent product that's been around for a long time throughout different countries. And you can actually measure not only the not only inflation with the Big Mac, but more importantly, actually you you, you uh, measure the exchange rate, which is you know. The difference in terms of you know how much how many dollars is equal to how many euros, which is another whole concept. But okay. uh, usually, one Big like Mac a, here buys me half a Big Mac in in exactly. France. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a, it. It is actually it, they actually use that economist as a way to kind of measure the exchange rate. Now it's not, of course, an exact figure, but uh, isn't it a Royale with cheese though over there? <laughs> okay. uh, well, yeah. I mean, I've been to different countries where they yeah. If you go to India, you're not going to have a regular Big Mac. I don't think it's a <laughs> It's like a vegan Big Mac or whatever. Uh, but go, going back, you know, I'm not going to really look at just one item. I'm mm. usually going to look at it as a whole basket of goods. Okay, so hold up. I want to, like, derail you again, and I'm sorry. But, like, <laughs> on this Big Mac index, 
I have this. Think like, of that more as exchange rate. Don't get. I'm not even gonna. Let's let's forget I said that. It's more that has to do more with the exchange rate between countries than the inflation rate. So don't even don't okay. even think about that. I want you to actually forget that. All right. All right. Fine. Okay. <laughs> we never talked about it. Yes. Just cut that out of this podcast. <laughs> Done. I mean, we won't, but we'll, we'll be funny. We'll I think it's an interesting tidbit. <laughs> no, I, so I thought it was really cool. So here's the thing: is like I think it's a cool idea. I had actually heard about it, and I like the concept because it's actually a lot of materials to make the Big Mac. But mm. I have this feeling that things that in the U.S. they just charge you more for the same thing than if you're in like maybe a poorer country. How does that like factor in? Or I guess it's all relative. I think it's well. Remember, there's another thing that comes charge. in. What's one of the biggest costs in 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 a product being made? Labor. What's, labor. Ah. Yeah. So okay. when so, are you going right. to? Uh, I, know, yeah. I just got back from Bali in Indonesia, and I could buy. You know, except you know, liquor was the only thing that there was. It wasn't as cheap because the government taxes it a lot. But in terms of like what I could buy a meal for in Indonesia, it was like. You know, I mean, and then you're also factoring different things. When I'm looking at a different country, then it comes back to the exchange rate as well. So the dollar right now is much stronger currency than other countries, mainly because of expectations of inflation going forward, because they believe the Federal Reserve will increase their federal funds target rate, which is the key interest rate that all the other interest rates are based on. So So to to maybe put it in layman's terms, like – if they raise this rate, then the rate that you're going to get in your mortgage will go up. Like every, everything, your savings rate will go up. Like yeah, the federal funds target rate. And again, this is it's it could that could be its own show, own episode. But that's the target rate that the federal federal open market committee they they meet like eight. I think it's like eight times a year. I don't know if it's once a month or eight times a year, but they meet a certain amount of times to determine it. So I think the next meeting is in December, whether they're going to determine, and I believe it is December, whether they're going to increase rates or not. Um, You know, and there's people, there's, you can, in Wall Street, you can make bets on that. You know, there's, there's futures on, on whether, you know, whether those rates are going to go up or not. Um, And and it'll make a big difference. And you could see, you know, I'm a bond guy, so you could see that bond yields have been increasing over the last couple last couple of weeks, I would say, maybe the last week for sure, um, because there's more of an expectation. They think that the Fed is going to increase rates. So that then has an effect on all interest-bearing uh, securities like a, a bond, because a bond – a bond's interest rate is is taken takes into account inflation expectations, and that's that's a big thing. Right now, rates have been low, and you know why? One of the biggest reasons is people's infl- uh, inflation expectations. So, if I think rates are going to go rise in the future, if I think that the price of things are going to go up, I'm going to adjust to that. Right. So that's another factor in why why the inflation rate is where it is right now. So last year, the inflation rate was one point six percent around the target federal, the target rate for the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve has a dual mandate, their dual mandate. The reason why the Federal Reserve is here is to ensure maximum employment, which overall you've seen in the news. Employment's actually not that bad. Unemployment's been going down. Yeah, it? It, it, yeah, it's 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 at, you know not, 
pretty much almost historic lows in terms of now there's people that debate the unemployment rate. That's another thing as well, because it's mm. again, it's a measured statistic that doesn't take into account, you know, people that left the market. and aren't Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. You, there's other there's other figures like the labor force. Um, the labor force participation rate. So I, I also geek out like over these numbers and stuff. And I, I just want to maybe uh, like pull back a little bit on yeah. the conversation because I get you prices go up, you know, saving rate goes up with inflation. But as a normal guy who's just investing in indexes and kind of, you know, well, if milk prices go up and my wages go up, like why then should I really care about inflation? Like what, like what is the meaning to me? Well, I mean, for you, if you have to, your your wait. The problem is wages have been stagnant, so prices yeah. have been slowly going up, but our wages have been stagnant right now. So, so I saw I this. Mean, if you looked uh, at, I mean, overall, I, saw this I would graph, say actually, yeah. in, uh, recently. So it's like U.S. productivity, GDP, employment, and income were all compared from like the '50s to like a few years ago, and you see like. Median household income kind of matches uh, overall GDP and like the labor productivity of an individual person. You mean like mirrors the growth and decline. yeah, it mirrors the growth. So like as uh, labor productivity goes up and GDP goes up, like median household employment or uh, no, income goes up like right in lockstep with it. But then like around the eighties, the productivity and GDP keeps going up, but then the household income like stagnates a little bit. Exactly. And, so it's and like, just, and just we are making more, like we are more productive and we're making more valuable. We're not seeing as much of that. Exactly. And I mean, really think about it too. What's changed in terms of the households from the fifties to now? How many, how many households have dual, you know, how many, the mother and the father in a household yeah. work now in the fifties, that was not as common. True. So you're having yeah. the two sources of income also contributing to that median household income right uh, so overall it, that has been the, that's been one of the sticking cases in terms of you know the federal reserve they're, they're trying to stimulate this economy but their you know wages have been stagnant they haven't been seeing that they would like wages to increase before they they really do kind of get off you know get off the brakes right now and let the, and let uh, the target interest rate increase but stagnant wages is one thing you know, yeah. there, there's a lot of reasons, and you kind of brought in, I guess, to just give people an idea of terms. You'll hear terms in the in, you know, about inflation. You'll hear the word inflation. Andrew, you said the word deflation. Mm -hmm. There's also another word called disinflation, and that all these. So that sounds like deflation. It does, yeah. but what how, what would you think the difference would be? Disinflation. I would say maybe that's neutral or nothing's happening. No, so remember, inflation is the change, the change in prices, right? So mm. if I, let's say the inflation rate was 5%, mm -hmm. and then next year it was 3%, right? That, uh, so that disinflation is, is like declining inflation. The decline so it's, it, it's the still change. rising, but not it's, as. Exactly. It's like yeah. slower acceleration almost. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're lowering down it, the, the accelerate. You could think of it that way. Yeah, it's a, I heard it's a decreasing of one, acceleration. I've heard of one called like stagflation. Yes. Is, is, is that like a real one or is that just like a like a like I don't know hyperbolic news term or something? Like no, if you actually if you actually uh, like it's actually an, an economic term that was uh, I think who was an economist? It was like uh, it's when the inflation rates very high, uh, but 
so inflation's increasing, right? And you most would think like th- through demand pull inflation, if inflation's increasing, well, that's a good sign. That means the economy's going. Unfortunately, oh. what it is is the economic, you know, overall economic growth isn't really matching that inflation. And you also have, and because of that, you can see because it's usually related to high unemployment as well. So, so, usually okay. they, they so prices are spiraling out of control in terms of being more expensive, but we're not really growing as a country or our wages are not growing. And exactly. And like unemployment is high. So there's, okay. oh, there's been a common assumption always that there's an inverse relationship between inflation and unemployment. So if inflation is going up, unemployment should be going down. Okay. Stagflation is the one issue where there's actually there is not that inverse relationship. It's a it's a it's a unique feature in the economy. And, and you know, as time goes on, I'm sure econ- I, I believe this current economic environment we're in, there's going to you know, it's kind of tilted some of the basic rationale that you learn in your econ 101. You know, probably what I was learning when I went to school, mm. you know, too long ago. Is probably altered a little bit because I think the current economic situations, people have not, we've not experienced a time when rates have been this low for so long. Mm. And we're just, you know, and they're in, un, you know, the, a lot of people believe the Fed's in uncharted territory. We don't know what's well, going to happen. Eric, so um, I, I remember like hearing my parents tell a story back when they were young and like, uh, you know, they got a mortgage and it was like 18% or some obscene. Yeah. Numbers. Yeah, so, that was that was the interesting. That was an interesting time when actually that was the big thing. It was a it was a push at that time uh, by the Federal Reserve. Uh, I'm not sure I forgot who the guy was, but he pushed interest rates up for the purposes that there was high unemployment. Mm-hmm. So they increased they increased interest rates, which pushed up inflation as well, but lowered the unemployment. It was the only way to solve the issue. Then. After that, after they they were able to match that labor shorted, uh, you know, decrease unemployment, that interest rate, that target interest rate by the Federal Reserve slowly decreased, you know, so, back to where we were. And now it's zero. Look, so so let me ask you this, because um, if, if the interest rates were 18 percent, I put all my money in a savings account and I'd be thrilled every year because I. Oh, yeah. Just I'd be making treasury bond. You'd be done. You'd be set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd be, I'd be making bank. But. Right now, we have interest rates that are super low, so I could borrow for cheap. Um, you know, maybe my wages aren't going up that much, but when I get my new condo, you know, it's going to be really, really price effective. Why do we even want the, the Fed to raise the rates? Why not just leave it like this forever? It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not normal in, in the fact of this. What if I'm a retired person? What am I supposed to do in terms of having any set of having any income mm-hmm. right if i have nothing my money can't grow i'm not working anymore what am i supposed to do yeah plus doesn't doesn't a lack of inflation disincentivize lenders yeah i mean look what's happening right now that's another issue in terms of why the fed's been doing all this quantitative easing you know andrew said one of the biggest things everyone says is the fed is creating all this money mm-hmm. right quantitative easing has 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 just brought all this new money in the in, into our economy but there's been no inflation you know and one of the big reasons is is that there hasn't been any bank lending and there's a kind of a confusion sometimes the, and this is pretty interesting and people probably should understand this when they say the fed creates money through quantitative easing that they're just making money magically it really isn't true 
So I imagine them like just printing bills. They don't print. First and, of all, like, the, just the giving Fed it doesn't, out. You know, the, well, it's it's kind of it's just so you know the Fed actually doesn't print money. Who f- prints money? The uh, currency people. Yeah, the Treasury. <laughs> the Treasury actually right. The Fed actually just has this magical balance sheet that they hold, right? Mm-hmm. And when they do quantitative easing, quantitative easing, they're what they're doing is they're purchasing from member banks, right? J.P. Morgan. There's certain member banks that that work with the Federal Reserve, and the the Federal Reserve purchases treasuries to put on their balance sheet. In return, they they then provide money. All right, to buy those, and that goes into the okay. economy. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up. So first yep. of all, um, where where does this money come from? Because uh, I, I, I oh, know a little it's, bit no, about the Fed. Yeah, no, it's 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 purely created. There so, is no the Fed is just buying stuff on their balance sheet. What so, they're okay, doing, so yeah. If I understand this correctly, the Fed is there. They're like, we need to do quantitative easing, you know, to to fix. Uh, you to know, stimulate the economy. To stimulate the economy, the economy, right? Yep. And, and, and so, the, so they're just like, we're going to buy these bonds and they just give banks and people money for these things, but they that money doesn't exist. They create it in that transaction. They create it in that transaction. And really what it is, is it's an asset swap, meaning that the the the... the, the the bonds were there. The Treasury created these these government bonds and the, and mortgage-backed securities that they also are buying during these QE programs, but and the money's going into into the accounts of these member banks, and the, so it's the same value of the bonds that were on those member banks' book sheets that the the Fed bought, but now it's cash. Now the 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 big thing here is what they're hoping is that what the what, what are they hoping the banks will do. Uh, invest that money or lend it, I guess. Lend it, right? And the reason why, and that's really where money is created. But by the way, I just want to say that you were a teacher. I know this, (laughs) we're grabbing a beer. And and this is like such like an advanced class for me because you're like, (laughs) and the banks do what? And I'm like, oh, lend it, lend it. (laughs) Well, this is is actually really cool. So believe it or not, where money is really created is in lending. So think of it this way, and it's probably this is one of these things where it'd be cool to, if I had a board, it'd probably be easier. But think that right right now, Andrew, you have a hundred dollars in your bank account, right? Uh-huh. And you let it sit in your bank account, and then let's just say that Thomas goes into that bank and says, "Hey, I need a loan." Right. What the what, what's what's called is fractional reserve banking, and this is where money is created because what your bank does is the bank doesn't have any additional money. It has the money you've deposited in the account. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they take a hundred, your $100, essentially, and loan some of it out to Thomas. Essentially, they can loan out maybe 90 of the $100. What they've done mm-hmm. when they give Thomas that loan is they've created money. Wait, but how have they created money? Because, because you still have the $100 in your bank You account. can still go take it out. Exactly. Like your, bank set, your bank balance says $100, even though they technically have 10 of your dollars on hand, and they've given me 90 Exactly. They've, they've heard about created this. There's like a fractional reserve. They're betting that everyone won't want it at the same time. Right, yeah. So that, I remember like they I, in history class, I learned about like runs on the bank, where like everyone loses confidence in the banking system, so they all go, hey, I want my money. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, we don't have it. Like, yeah, we have ten percent of your money. That's why there's a huge contraction because then the money supply, I guess, decreases. And, and that's really the the issue here. I mean, to go back to inflation, mm-hmm. right? 
everyone would think right now all the money that the Fed has in quotations here created, why are, haven't we experienced inflation yet? Why have, I mean, some people were, were thinking that all this QE was going to lead to what they call hyperinflation. Yeah, because they, they bought trillions of dollars in security. It, uh, there, yeah. There's been a, a the, the Fed's balance sheet is beyond huge. It, again, it's in an unprecedented territory. People are uncomfortable with it. That's why there's been a lot of people pushing for an increase in interest rates. They don't want this QE to continue. Hmm. And one of the big reasons is the Fed's still waiting for inflation to go up. That's why they've been holding back increasing interest rates. Yet. They hmm. want to see a little bit more growth of the economy. They want to see inflation going up a little more they want to hit the two percent target that's so, their target okay so, i know it's a general number but that's their target dude yeah so, so to loop back on what we originally were, were talking about where prices go up and that's inflation and it's a basket of assets um yep. i know that uh when you know we're recording this or, or you know the past few months oil has like thirded in price you know at, at least so is that the reason that inflation Well, it is- depends. There's so so CPI can be calculated with or without energy and housing. Mm. So it's crazy. Again, it's just a statistic. So you have to understand how it's being calculated. There's CPI with and without certain certain materials. Energy and housing sometimes is taken out. Um, just to get a different view, because those are sometimes volatile prices that have other reasons why they're changing, mm. you know, not not based on the overall economy. I mean, oil is something that is a very volatile in terms of that it's being traded as well that have different that, that causes different pressures on it than the overall demand. Um, and same thing like housing. But if you took that all into account, that's why you could see right now, too, there's been a lot of downward pressure over the last five to 10 years. Housing prices have been what? I mean, Are they increasing though, haven't they? Slowly increasing mm. from a dramatic drop, though, right? Mm. Yeah. So oh, that's right. I mean, so you're you're dealing with a, that's a downward pressure on prices. As much as there might be some other upward pressures, you got to remember you're looking at this in totality. Um, huh. And again, you have to pay attention when you when whenever you and you kind of brought it up whenever you're looking at a at any type of rate, whether it's the unemployment rate or the consumer price index or another inflation one that people can look up is called the GDP deflator. All these are different different types of indexes that you could look at. But remember, you got to understand how they're calculating these things and and take into account those things because you might not agree with how certain things are being calculated. It's, it's, it's kind of up to the measurement itself and whether you feel comfortable with it. But CPI is one of those things where now they take CPI and they take out certain baskets on it. Well, why are you taking out oil? Why does that get taken out? Because mm. you think it's more volatile? Well, I think it still should be in there. But so the, you got to take into you got to always factor that in when you're looking at any type of figure, especially the economic figures that are you know produced by um, you know the different government organizations like the Bureau of Labor Statistics does unemployment rate. So yeah, on like on like a broad macro sense, like I, I get uh, inflation and its purpose overall, but on like the the macro sense, may, maybe and maybe I'm using it incorrectly, but on like the the me sense, um, if inflation is crazy high or kind of low. What, how does that really affect me? Because well, think about if you have of- a loan. What if you have a loan? What would you have if inflation was really high and you had a loan? Would that be good or bad for you? So I would love inflation because then my debt would become less valuable. 
Exactly, right? So inflation's, inflation might be good. If I, if I owe a, a $500,000 mortgage and I have an inflation increases, well, that's, you know, then, then that's, that's positive, hmm. right? As um, long as your wages increase. Yeah, exactly. As Otherwise, long as my wages. it's just like... Well, you know. and remember, in the end, that's the whole point is usually inflation takes into account an increase in wages. You, yeah. you know, you're usually taking that into account. The big thing is we just don't want inflation. We want to control it. We just don't want something where, you know, it's 10% one day a year and then it's 2% the next year. Then it's negative 5%. We want it somewhat yeah. controlled. We want there, – there should be, again – an idea that inflation expectations are are just kind of considered like, all right, 2%. I know it's going to go up 2% every year, 2%. There's a consistency to it. That's really what yeah. people want. So speaking of that, uh, I heard the story in school about how, um, I think it was like after or maybe during, I think it was like after World War One. Germany's like had ridiculous hyperinflation to the point where like old women were carting all of their money and a wheelbarrow to go buy a loaf of bread and people would like dump all the money in the street just steal the wheelbarrow. Like how does how does that happen? How does ridiculous hyperinflation happen to a country? It's a good question. I'm not exactly sure. I, I've heard of it. I've always heard of it. There's you know why the reasoning behind it. It'd be a good thing to 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 look up. I mean, you see it a lot too in um. You see a lot in developing, uh, in a lot of developing countries, a lot of third world countries. You'll see, like, if you go to Africa right now, the ex- the, the the exchange rate between two different, uh, you know, two different uh, two different uh, currencies sometimes goes fully out of whack, and it could be because that economy and that localized economy is experiencing some, you know, unbelievable increase in infl- in uh, inflation. Now, I would think that probably during uh, in Germany, why that happened. Was probably cost push inflation that 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 economy went through a you know they they were on the losing side Germany right their yeah, industries definitely. were decimated I would believe you know not to mention you were going through a uh, they had a socialist type of economy uh, you know some would say communist I would I would believe you know the state had control over all the factors of production that's going to affect how things are being produced. There's going to be, and then during war times, I'm sure those supply chains were constrained, causing that increase in prices. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just me guessing. Uh, but, it, I mean, it makes sense that it would be something like that during war times. While on our side, remember, our, our economy was untouched in terms of there was no war on our fields. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the war here only caused increased demand. It had you know, although people, although workers were, you know, going over the country to fight, you had women, you know, working here to help support the war effort. You know, mm. there was in this increased demand in, in a proactive way. It looks uh, like it looks like the government like started printing ridiculous amounts of currency. Yeah. Since I'm, I'm looking at this this website during the German hyperinflation, the number of German marks in circulation increased by a factor of. Seven point thirty-two times ten to the ninth power. <laughs> That's a lot. Oh wow! What the heck? How do you so print that? They forgot money? to shut the money machines off. And Apparently, just... and then you know again, what, Andrew? We should do an episode on that. I think it'd be an interesting story. Would be. Yeah. That's okay. it. I've, I, I mean, you've, I've heard of it before, and I've heard some African countries too, where you see this crazy amount in terms of uh, yeah of what can uh, when you see this hyperinflation that can occur i mean look and that's the big scare in the end that's what people were scared about with all this qe 
And and they're still not, you know, there's some people that that's what they're saying to please increase interest rates, right? Because they're worried that inflation is going to shoot up. And some people are worried. And some people look at there's other people that believe that inflation is going nowhere. If anything, we're going to experience deflation. There's people that have calls out that, you know, that one of the like I was saying, bonds have bond interest rates uh, are related to inflation expectations. There's some people that think that right now the. 10-year treasury is at 230. There's some people that are calling the 10-year treasury to be at 1%. And if that's the case, it's because of inflation expectations. And people believe that there, there is none. You know, there, mm-hmm. That we're going to be in this, this, essentially this you know, relative state of stagnation. You know, that's what Larry Summers calls it. The, he's a Harvard, uh, he was a Harvard president. He's still a professor there, I believe. Um, you know, he's called the great, I believe it's like the great stagnation or something like that, where we're just kind of in this in this mode where there is not going to be this, you know, increased growth, whether it's because of demographic reasons. You know, we're at, right now, the problem is we have a baby boomer generation that's retiring and we have, uh, you know, the, the population growth hasn't matched up. You know, that big growth, that big increase in, in population What's happening? All those people are retiring and they're not going to be contributing to the economy anymore. And they're yeah. going to be a drain on the resources. You hate to say the word drain on it, but that's what's really going to be happening. And now you tell the, that retired person that guess what? You, the, the money you're investing right now, you're not going to be growing it anymore. There's going to be no you know, increase. The way some like retirement plans, really nice pension plans that aren't around anymore, they have these things called COLAs. Mm. cost of living adjustments where mm. you could get like you know if i had a, if i have a really nice pension the pension actually changes the amount you know it's usually a set amount that person you know a person retires they get a, they're on a fixed income yeah. colas so provide in, a provision where they can increase screws it. them then inflation screws you if you're mm. retired so you know and think about a huge amount of our population is going to be retiring if they haven't been already so and a lot of them can't because of you know where they are. They know they their money's not growing right now. I, I've heard. Uh, well, so first of all, I, I know quite a few people who have worked most of their lives, saved a lot of money, but they've literally just put it in a savings account. And um, one of the things people say is like, in the long term, cash is the riskiest investment. Could you like elaborate on that with uh, inflation? Yeah, I mean, because right now, even though the inflation rate's low, but let's just say it's, I don't know, let's say we're, gonna, we're expecting it to be like 1.8%. Mm-hmm. If your money's sitting in cash, you're, sent, you're losing 1.8%. You know, you're, you're making zero when it sits there. Mm-hmm. So that's why even putting it in a, you know, the problem is anything safe is really not going to give you that much more than that. So you're you know, saying like a treasury will just like meet inflation? Treasury is not even going to meet inflation. It oh. won't even meet it. Oh, no, really? Unless you, low. Wow. Well, unless you go out really far, you need to see the, and then that means that that, that money's kind of held up. I got to mm. buy a bond to go out, you know, 10, 20, the, the 10-year treasury is at 230. Mm. So I got to go, I got to push out that bond pretty far just to match inflation. So I'm, my money's going to get tied up. I'm not going to be able to use that money. I'm only going to be able to gather whatever interest it provides. So, you know, that's that's one of the issues right now is that we want, that's why people want, you know, interest rates to increase. And, you know, most recently you can see the two-year treasury, which is, which is a good indicator of if they think the Fed's going to make an act has been increasing pretty, pretty strongly. I think it's like a little, like around 
0.78, you know, 78 bips, they call it, mm. um, which, which is pretty good. It means it's increasing, which means that inflation expectations are kind of going up because they believe that the, gut, that the Fed is going to be increasing interest rates, which I know is a lot of different variables. I know I'm saying inflation, interest, and all these things, and there is a relation between it all. You know, but for, for every person out there right now, the big issue is I have money that's currently losing value when it's sitting in my pocket or when right now, even when it's sitting in a bank account. So what do I do with it? Do I take a risk and do I put it into something, you know, into, into, into right now, the only way I can really make a sizable gain is a lot of people are putting things in alternative investment type of structures like hedge, you know, different types of hedge fund strategies where there's a lot more risk involved. No, yeah. Or do I put it into an index? And, you know, you guys say all the time, you know, I'm just putting in some indexes. You know, that's your bet that you think the S&P 500 is going to go up. I don't know if it's going to go up anymore, you know, especially if do the you, Fed increases interest rates. Do you see a scenario where the S&P doesn't go up, but hedge yeah. funds make a killing? Yeah. Oh, that's the whole point of hedge funds. They go against the grain. Mm. You know, so hedge most, I mean, most hedge funds have a have a have a play that goes against the common market, or you would just in, you know invest in the S and P five hundred. They're well, giving you an alternative strategy. So here's the thing: yeah. is is most people, I would say most people, probably like ninety five percent of the, the listeners of this podcast, wouldn't even be able to contribute to a hedge fund because there's like no well they would yeah, yeah yeah they have to be a qualified you gotta be like, a qualified investor. You know, yeah, they, that means they like, have what, to meet certain income in limits. Or However, like that. they two hundred fifty thousand a year in income or, or some whatever. Oh. But yeah, but but then remember this: there's now there's other things called hedge fund of funds, right? Where you invest in this item, <laughs> and they invest. They it's think of a mutual fund that invests in different hedge funds. Hedge right? fund so, of funds. Yeah, look it up. It's a fund of funds. Okay. Oh, is that kind of like the? We it's like a mutual fund the, of hedge funds. And you can buy into that even if you're just Joe Smo with like. 20K, yeah, there's, right? there's all the yeah. Right now, there's all these alternative inc- alternative investment mutual funds you could actually just invest in. Right? Yeah. So there, there's different ways you can you can play into that market, just not directly as mm-hmm. a you know a regular. You know, most people don't. Most most hedge fund investors are just like institutions. You know, your your yeah. college endowment invests in that. You know, and that's the thing. All these again, like you know, all these uh, pension funds and endowments. They have to hit us. They can't invest in regular bonds and stuff anymore because there's no no chance for growth. They're going into these alternative investments until again interest rates start rising. People start investing in fixed income again. That's the that's the goal. We don't want to be just putting our you know putting our money into these riskier equities. And right now, people you know people think that that if anything, the only thing that's been infl- the only inflation is not in our normal goods, but it's in our guess what. The securities that we're buying, mm. right? So people think that there's inflation in the equities that we're buying. So you know everyone's happy right now because their betterment accounts doing great. You know over the last five years. Well, guess what? That might just be you know there might be just be bloated security values right now because guess what? People have nowhere else to put their money. So everyone's buying it, causing an increase in that asset value. Interest rates change. Who knows that you know that that the S and P five hundred might you know contract because of that people believe because the dollar is getting strong with the increase in interest rates that's going to have an effect on corporate profits because the dollar's stronger so they're not going to be able to you know their their profits are going to get affected from that because they're global their global uh their global you know companies um with a you know but they're based in america so they're based on that stronger dollar 
they're, you know, that's going to affect their profits, which then again affects shareholders and their dividends, and it all goes back. You all know, right. Eric. So we're we're in we're in a spot where like interest rates are. Pra- I mean, the the federal interest rate is practically zero. Like a probably- the federal the federal funds target rate is between zero and point two five. That so- that is it. It like basically can't go down anymore. So really, the only- uh, it can go down. Don't. That's another episode well, okay. because you have you have Nordic countries right now that have negative interest. I know. Rates. I know. Switzerland has <laughs> negative. But so, so if if we're under the mindset that it yes, will go it can. up, yep. right? So so let's say let's say that it, it will go up, or or we believe that it would go up. As an investor, what should be your considerations or, or, or literally just should you just sit there and kind of like whatever it does it does and just that's it's that's why investing is somewhat like a casino right i you the the big thing right now is all right do i do i wait to see if you know if the fed's gonna you know get off of zero are they gonna start really increasing interest rates because that's gonna affect bond yields mm. and you know do i wait you know if because as interest rates go up Guess what? New bonds that start getting issued, the interest rates are higher than they were being offered before. You know, the yields are more attractive. Um, do I wait or do? But there's a cost of waiting, right? There's an opportunity cost to that. My money's just sitting in cash. Can I just start? Should I just start investing wherever rates are right now and just get something out of it? Because again, my money sitting in the in in a savings account right now is losing money I'm, i my you know the my dollar is not worth as much when it just sat in that bank account and it bothered me over the last year i had a sizable amount of money just sitting in like a money market account making nothing like a dollar a year it felt like so yeah. i said forget it i, I go i know i'm not going to use this money and i know that and i know that um you know interest rates are set to rise so what i did was i invested in you know in in fixed income investments that were five years and under so what mm-hmm. that did was it made me feel better because in five years my money will be free so if interest rates are much higher i could reinvest if i want at that time yeah. you know I, I'm, I'm not going to make a huge gain from it but i guess what i'm going to make a little more than if it was definitely much more than it was sitting in a bank account hopefully it keeps up with inflation at least so for the normal person if you you know i don't know some i'm sure people see on this podcast might have five thousand dollars in their name and for them it's like really well eric if i put this in a fixed income investment i'm not going to make that much more it's going to be a couple hundred bucks mm. but it all adds up and you gotta just got to think that in the end right now even with inflation where it is which is relatively low you still are losing something maybe it's only one percent but you're losing something what when it just being when it when it's there in just a savings account but there is a value to it because if you do need the money, well, some people need a certain amount of liquidity in terms of I need cash available. You know, emergency might come up. So for them, it's worth losing the 1% in terms of inflation that's happening because they need the, they need the, the money. It's almost like think of it like a revolving credit line. They need the money there. So keeping it in a savings account makes more sense than getting it tied up in some type of fixed income investment or even worse than that. Investing it into an index fund, then the S and P drops twenty percent, and they lose that money that they needed in the next, right. you know, five months. So, talking to you makes me believe that you've been in Wall Street for like fifty years. Like you just have <laughs> a lot of no, and I'm not even that smart with it. But it, it makes you just think. You, there's so the thing is, everyone has a viewpoint. And in the end, I'm not sure who's right or who's wrong. Right, right. And you just you, you listen to a lot, and and what you want to do is you know for the normal person just investing right now, 
I mean, you know, take into account where inflation is. You know, you're not gonna, you're not losing a drastic amount by keeping there. You you got to have a viewpoint. Where do you think things are gonna go? Do you think interest rates are gonna go up? Do you think they're gonna stay the same? You know, uh, and that's why a lot of people end up, you know, leaning on a financial advisor if they have a little bit more money than. Um, and can afford it because that, that's what that financial advisor is there for. He's there. He's getting research in from these big investment banks that study this stuff. And, yeah. and well, Let me ask you this, Eric. So yeah. you're, you're a pretty smart dude. You know a lot. Uh, but, I mean, obviously you, you might not know what you should do with your money or, or whatever. Like yeah. would you trust someone to do the research for you? Definitely. I mean, I, I have a financial. I, I mean, to be honest, I have a financial advisor. Even though I, I mean, I have my all the training to invest myself, but I still use a financial advisor, and that, and I really just use a financial advisor because I like the guy. And, and and yeah, I'm probably paying a little more, but I'm getting a, a, a source of managed products that I can't get anywhere else. Um, and I'm really not relying on that financial advi- advisor. In the end. Unless I'm, unless that financial advisor is actually doing the, the the trading within my account, most financial advisors they're kind of a middleman to put you into some type of managed product. You know, so it sounds like that's company. an investment advisor. I almost feel like a, a yeah. financial advisor is like they are someone who tells you how to plan for retirement. Exactly. Yeah. There's, I mean, there there used to be a thing called a broker, right? Mm. Back in the day, there was a lot more brokers. Nowadays, everyone's really a financial advisor. They have their, they have their, they have, they. Have, they a series seven is to be a broker. That's a qualifying exam that's issued by FINRA, which mm-hmm. is the financial regulatory body. Then there's a series 63 uh, and 65. One's a state licensing exam. And the other one is to become what they're called an investment advisor. And you then uh, you, you're tested to understand what's suitable for different people. You know, suitability is an important thing. I need to know you and know what your goals are. And then I'm going to suggest what you should do with your money. And that's what people pay for. And, and that's what I, you know, I use my financial advisor mainly because I was working also at a, at a bank where I had to keep my money there because there's restrictions if you're in trading. You can't, you, you, you can't really do anything because they, they know that you have an inside advantage. So my money was kind of put into this managed portfolio of wh- whatever suited my goals. So it's right now, it's, it's this managed product that they invest in different ETFs. Um, you know, exchange traded funds, which are a little more liquid of an investment, and uh, based on my risk profile, um, just like you got, you know, just like someone would do probably at Wealthfront or Betterment or any of those things, where you you just tell them, you know, what your risk risk tolerance is and your goals, and they invest it in the market and whatever they suit, you know, whatever fits them. Um, and there's a lot of products out there, you know, and and that's the thing, there is a lot of products, so. Knowing being with a financial advisor and, and feeling comfortable with them and knowing that they have your best interests is important, you know, because you can't if you don't do this on a daily basis, it's very hard to really understand where you should put your money. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot to take in. We all have our own jobs to try to understand that, too. It, it, it's complex. Cool. Yeah. I think we so, probably covered. I know, I know, we, I know, I know. We jumped all around, but <laughs> yeah. If in the end, if if it makes sense, the whole point is that inflation does affect everything. You know, the prices that you deal with on a daily basis. You know, it, it does affect all other variables. So it's hard just to talk about inflation by itself without bringing in the Federal Reserve, without bringing in interest rates, because it's all related. In the yeah. end, that and the money supply, it all comes together. So. 
And we, we've hopefully I didn't confuse everyone about, too much. We've got an episode about the Federal Reserve. Maybe we should do an about unemployment at some point. Mm. Just kind of get into that. I would also like to do an episode on hyperinflation. I, I feel like we opened quite a lot of doors here. Yeah. Where I just, you, you piqued my interest in all these places, and I almost didn't want to derail the conversation from where it was going. Um, maybe maybe you have to come lecture us again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 between this and I know you guys have, you know, in, within that, the, you know, Listen Money Matters, the community, a lot of times these people, you know, people bring up these topics, um, you know, and you could kind of flush it out. It's hard to flush it out just in 45 minutes, you know, an hour, especially when I'm just railing on my own with it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but hopefully again, if, if people have questions, I'm usually on also that, that community. So if they have any questions, they can reach out to me there. Um, cool. if there is it something I got wrong? I think uh, my, what's my Eric econ, I think is my, uh, yeah. my tag name on there. So yeah, as you can see, uh, you know, econ's <laughs> important, God. But uh, send something to me if you have a question or anything, or if I, I said something wrong. You know, I'm floating off the top of my head on a lunch break, so I'm sure I'm not 100% with everything. <laughs> yeah, still more than I know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I learned quite a lot here. And, uh, yeah, I, I know like people already are picking your brains in the community. and um, I mean, but we'll bring you on again because I want to go deeper. Awesome, yeah, man. All right. Well, guys, if you want to be part of that community, the URL is listenmoneymatters.com slash join, where you can uh, join in. And otherwise, if you've got questions, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com is our email address. But uh, both those places are pretty good, I suppose, to ask questions. Probably more smart people than us will answer you if it's in the community. So <laughs> if you email us listenmoneymatters at gmail.com, you get a limited amount of smart people if you consider someone like me smart. What is that? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's the outside part of my uh, office over here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, there are much more people like that are smart, like Eric, and like a huge diverse. Yeah. Yes, we're good at talking things and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're good with. We just have fancy microphones. That's the whole. Yeah, yeah. It's all you need, really. Just buy a fancy microphone. <laughs> Uh, if you want to find our favorite money management resources, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find those. You can support us by leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And that's it. I finished my fancy one. Sweet. So, Eric, thanks for coming to the show again. Always a pleasure. And thank you, dear listener, for hanging out with us. See you in the next episode. Later, Later guys. Man. Tell your friends about this show.